NAD Ministerial presents Leadership Effect, Learning Effective Leadership Lessons with Ivan Williams. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read. Welcome to e <laughs> And this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit Spirit. We're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos dias, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. Today, Dwight Nelson. My self-concept of leadership ministry is I am hopelessly a pastor. I'm sitting here in my church office. It's, you know, it's Friday afternoon. I'm at, 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 at my office here at Pioneer. I remember Ivan, oh, a bunch of Sabbaths ago, maybe a year or two or three ago. I'm standing at this window, so I can look up, look down on the, the approachway to the church in the parking lot, and I'm watching people walk by. And I say, oh, Lord, there he is. I wonder how he's been. I need to get in touch with that guy. I've just got to touch base with him. And I saw a little couple come by. My Lord, what is happening in their life? And, and, and that just kept going on. I went to the place. I said, Lord Jesus, I am helplessly, hopelessly a pastor. I'm a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And that really, if you said, do I define yourself as a leader? I would say I am a I am a shepherd. I am a pastor who leads through preaching. Right, so preaching is a part of the package for me. Communication is the name of the game in leadership. If you don't communicate, you can't lead because people don't know what to follow. So you have to cast vision. So what is effective leadership? Keyword is effective. Effective leadership is servant leadership. Leadership that is sustainable. Leadership that equips and leadership that inspires you to keep going and growing. Our guest, Pastor Dr. Dwight K. Nelson, has been the lead pastor of the Pioneer Memorial Church at Andrews University for over 30 years. He describes himself as a shepherd, a lover of people and books. He's gonna share some amazing insights about his call to ministry, the importance of mentorship, what intimidated him, that's big, and you will grow from what he's learned about staying power. Later in each podcast, we've got a special feature from Ivan Williams entitled, Here's What I've Learned. Let's join the conversation with Pastor Nelson. My self-concept of leadership ministry is I am hopelessly a pastor. I'm sitting here in my church office. It's, you know, it's Friday afternoon. I'm at, 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 at my office here at Pioneer. I remember Ivan... Oh, a bunch of Sabbaths ago, maybe a year or two or three ago, I'm standing at this window. So I can look up, look down on the, the approachway to the church in the parking lot, and I'm watching people walk by. And I say, oh, Lord, there he is. I wonder how he's been. I need to get in touch with that guy. I've just got to touch base with him. And I saw a little couple come by. My Lord, what is happening in their life? And, and, and that just kept going on. I went to the place. I said, Lord Jesus, I am helplessly, hopelessly a pastor. I'm a shepherd. Mm. And that really, if you said, do I define yourself as a leader? I would say I am a, I am a shepherd. I am a pastor who leads through preaching, right? So preaching is a part of the package. For me, 
communication is the name of the game in leadership. If you don't communicate, you can't lead because people don't know what to follow. So you have to cast a vision. I read a book once by Malcolm Gladwell. You remember him? I do. Kind of a, yeah, 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 kind of a Gen Xer writer, uh, journalist with the New Yorker magazine, and then took off as a, as a solo writer. Anyway, in this book, Ivan, what stuck with me was his, his declaration is there are three kinds of leaders. There is the salesman leader. People who work out of that strength. There is the maven leader. Now, the maven is, is the guy that uh, is the woman that just is up on everything. She is reading. He is reading everything he can get a hold of. And he can spit it back to you. He sits in the staff meeting and boom, 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 boom. The latest has come off of uh, off his tongue or her tongue. And then there's the connector. <laughs> we all know connectors. They just have that gift. They can just connect people. Uh, to build that bond and connect you to them and uh, then to someone else, and, and just beautifully done. Anyway, I'm a salesman. That means what I do, what I, the, the passion of my soul is to be able to sell a concept, to sell an idea. And, and for me, it's the Seventh-day Adventist pastor. I, I mean, it, it's the, the, the product is the Lord Jesus Christ, and you can't make him a product, but it's the everlasting gospel. I've got to sell that every time I step into the pulpit. I'm, just, I'm doing a series right now called American Apocalypse, and maybe we'll get into that sometime later. Uh, uh, today, but uh, what's it about? It's a, this, this country is going through a, through a major seismic sea change. It, it's just we, every day that the the, the the panorama has changed. So American apocalypse is me going into scripture, taking a look at these old time prophecies, and selling the idea. I feel compelled to to sell the idea, folks. We are running out of time. You look at this prophetic scenario. Notice what's coming. This is where we are right now. So, long, long answer for for a great question. What do you What do you see yourself as uh, in terms of a ministry leader? I am a I am a shepherd to the poor, who who communicates mm. what God has asked me to communicate to my people. So that's it. Nothing fancy, but you know what? There are a whole lot of us. There are a whole lot of us that are going to say, "I'm a shepherd to the poor." I used to let me say this. I used to apologize for that in my own mind. Like <laughs> you can't just be a pastor. You just can't be a pastor alone. Like my dad's an administrator, my grandpa was an administrator, my great grandpa was an administrator, I'm a fourth generation preacher, fifth generation Adventist, and it was just understood that if you go into the ministry, you're gonna get into leadership, meaning administrative leadership. Right. And so I lived my early days just thinking, that's where I'm going. But the longer the Lord and I got into this, the more he said, No, 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 that's not you. You at the heart of a pastor. I put that heart in you. And oh, by the way, Dwight, John 10, I am the good pastor. Same word in the Greek for shepherd and pastor. I am the good pastor. Don't ever apologize for having a pastor's heart. I put that, it's my heart in you. So that's me. I love that, Dwight. You know, the best leaders know themselves. And to know yourself and to know what God has called you to lead, to serve, in is that clarity, if I can footstomp, is so important yeah. in ministry today. It really is. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for sharing that. You are the son of parents who served in the mission field, and you grew up in Asia, Japan to be particular. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, as you have just shared about your your parents, your grandparents, uh, your relatives, I know your brother-in-law. I mean, you have preachers all around you. At what right. point in your life growing up did you discover or choose that ministry was for you? Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, thanks for asking that. Um, I grew up, born in Tokyo, first 14 years of my life in Japan. Kid brother Greg, by the way, he went into ministry. Kid sister Carrie, she married a minister. So we kind of grew up in a ministerial home. But I grew up, Ivan, from the beginning, wanting to be a physician. I just knew that I was going to be a brain surgeon. I'm going to do that. That kind of work. And my mother, she fed it. She didn't She didn't try to steer me that way. But when she saw that interest, she just pushed books on chemistry, books on biology, the human body, the, the, the human head. I mean, those old Ravel models. I mean, I put those things together, memorized, you know, the parts. And so that was my, 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 just my beeline right through Academy. I'm in high school. In fact, it was my junior year, Farston Academy in Singapore, a school full of missionary kids. I mean, doctors, kids, teachers, kids, preachers, kids, all missionary kids. And one Sabbath afternoon, true story, I, some, some gentleman from the general conference came through and he wanted to speak to all the, the, the missionary family kids. And so he's up front, and I to this day could not tell you what he was talking about, not a word. But in the middle, Ivan, in the middle, he stops, and he says, uh, "I want all of you boys, because that was back when only boys went into ministry. I want, all, I want, I want all of you boys who are going to become pastors. You're going to become ministers. I want you to stand right now." Well, I knew I wasn't going to be minister, so I'm not going to stand, and I'm imagining to myself. They're going to be kids, and I'm looking around. They're going to be kids. They're going to be guys all over this uh, this church sanctuary who are standing. And I tell you the truth, I look. I saw one guy there. I saw a guy over there. I think I might might have seen three guys standing. And I'm <laughs> saying to myself, "This is bad. Why aren't more students standing to say I want to be a pastor?" And just like that, a voice in my mind asked the question, "Why aren't you standing?" Oh, mercy. I said, why am I not standing? Because I'm going into medicine. That's why. <laughs> I did not stand. I did not stand. But from that moment on, Ivan, there was this, there was this, a paradigm shift in my mind. I don't know how God pulled it off, but I just began to know that what his will for my life was, you be a pastor. You just, you just be a minister. You be a preacher. That's what I'm asking you to be. Mm. And I need to, as soon as I share that, because I, I talked to a young young ministered all over. I need to add this little caveat because sometimes young, young, us young preachers say, oh man, I cannot identify. Look, do I remember that voice? I heard nothing. I heard nothing. Must be I'm not called. Wrong, 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 wrong. Remember this story. This is a great story. The story of Elisha. What is he? He's a gentleman farmer. He has 12 pairs of oxen. He's wealthy. He's got John Deere as far as you can see. Right. And he's plowing up his dad's, his dad's field and Elijah comes along. You remember the story? And he, he, he takes his mantle off and he says, boy, I'm putting this on your shoulders. He throws it on his shoulders, doesn't say another word, walks away. And, and Elijah says, yo, 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 what's up with this? <laughs> Elijah said, it's not my business. It's your business. And he leaves him. And that's how he knew Ivan. He was called. No handwriting on the wall. No thunder from Mount Sinai. Nothing. Not even a voice in his mind. He just knew I've been called. 
And a lot of our young, we, we, let, me, let me just make an appeal to those who are older ministers. Uh, I'm starting to get in that category. <laughs> those, who are, those who are older ministers, we, hey, listen, we need to take the initiative to go to a young man, a young woman, and not put our arms around him, just, just, just tap him on the shoulder and say, you know something, son? You know something, girl? I, you, you have some gifts that I believe God could use effectively in the gospel ministry. I can hear you preaching from the front of this church someday. If we will plant the seeds, the Holy Spirit says, it's, it's really a call. They'll, they, they will know it's me calling. But just like Elisha, just Elisha planted the seed, and that was it. We need to do that more and more. Be proactive. We say, listen, Ivan, we need the brightest and the best in the North American division going into gospel ministry. That's the truth. We've got to have the best. And I'm telling you, this this meltdown in leadership that we are witnessing right now, all the more, we've got to have spiritual leaders, young spiritual leaders stand up and say, I will radically follow the Lord Jesus and be a shepherd, a spiritual leader for him. That's what we need. Dwight, thank you for the insight of your personal journey and for that plug. We do need pastors for the next generation. You know, many know you as the pastor of PMC. Uh, The Lord has blessed you with a uh, faithful record there as pastor since 1983. Um, Mercy. And Are you sure it's 83? Did you read that? Hey, listen, is that the right number? Come on, Ivan. <laughs> you just, put the numbers around. <laughs> it just confirms that God has blessed you with staying yeah, power. Yeah, unbelievable, Ivan. Yes. I'm sorry to interrupt you like that, but yeah, no. 37 years ago, I can't believe it. And it's and, only the kindness of God. That's the kindness of God, Ivan, and the graciousness of the people here. That's the only reason. I'm telling you. Well, I got to ask you uh, a, a few questions around that. If you had, when you went there in 1983, I know you had, you you, you pastored churches before Pioneer. And as you were asked to pastor Pioneer, did you feel prepared to do so? No. No? Are you kidding? Um, What would you say to people who... um, have these calls that they don't feel qualified for. Talk to us about your journey of answering the call to go to Andrews University to be the campus pastor. The reality is I began ministry in the Oregon Conference uh, in our first 10 years there, and that included, you know, a couple years back here at Andrews. Uh, So I had 10 years in, and I was 21 when I started, and you can do the arithmetic. Uh, wet behind the ears, good night, graduated from Southern, and I went straight out of internship, didn't get married till the year after starting out, so I really was, 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 was needing, I needed some mentoring, and I got strong mentorship, and I, I to this day, thank God, uh, a friend of mine now, his name is Phil Welcome. he's got to be in his late 80s, uh, Phil Welcome took me on as this kid out of college, and he said, hey, listen, just stick around. Follow me. Just follow me. Mm. And and that's how he mentored me. And that's how I was exposed to what, it, what does it mean? Because my dad was an administrator kind of uh, minister. So I saw that life, but I hadn't seen the pastoral life. So I needed I needed a, a shepherd to just draw me in under his wing and say, hey, we'll do this together. And because I was single, you know, it's kind of like he had an only daughter and I you know, kind of a father-son relationship, and it was really, it was it was meaningful to me. 
man, I want to thank all the mentor preachers and pastors out there who do that with their young interns. You can't just turn a kid over and say, hey, good luck. Call me if you're in trouble. That's the worst way to start a ministry. You've got yeah. to be hovering over the mother eagle with that eaglet. You're just there. You jump. The, the, the eaglet jumps off, but that mother is prepared to swoop down and catch that baby if it just can't catch air and start ascending. So anyway, it began that way. But still, when we got word that they were thinking of us at uh, here at Pioneer Memorial Church, number one, I didn't believe it. But then a friend of mine who was on the faculty at the seminary called to Dwight. <laughs> That began insomnia, the first major attack I've ever had. And man, oh man, I finally had to come to peace, Ivan, with this sentence. God is dependent on those who are dependent on him. And when that sentence sunk into my own consciousness, then I realized, like, 31, it doesn't matter. You can go anywhere at 31. It's not your, it's not your arrival age that counts. Yeah. It's the, your arrival state. Are you ready to, to move to the next level? Totally dependent on God. And I tell you, I've had some hard knocks here. I've had to learn the hard way again and again. But God has never given up on me. And every life lesson, he's tucked away inside a hard drive of my mind. And it just accumulates the lessons of this life. So so coming here, what was intimidating, Ivan, was I was going to pastor my seminary professors when I mastered divinity. Yeah. Did you master divinity? Yes, I did. Have you mastered divinity? Oh, no. <laughs> how anybody, <laughs> I don't know how anybody mastered divinity, but they say, they say you did. So they give you this, uh, this little parchment. Um, but I had to come here now. I got to come here and, and pastor the, the revered and august professors of my, my young life. And you think that was intimidating? Are you kidding? More with Dwight Nelson in a moment. Leadership Effect is a growth platform just for you, and we think it's going to be worth your time to join our Best Practices Book Club with Drs. Ivan Williams and Michael Campbell. Every other month, they'll share the importance of investing in your ministry growth through books. Here's their personal invitation. Anything that has to do with growing, I'm all in. I'm a lifelong student. It's possible to leave seminary or undergrad and never read another book in your life. Have mercy. (laughs) (laughs) We want to have fun too, don't we? We sure do. I'm really excited because the things that we're talking about, and we'll talk a little bit later about, you know, even our first book. I mean, these are just really relevant topics that pastors wrestle with. You know, they say leaders are readers. Make sure you sign up for the book club. You won't regret it. Home base for all things Leadership Effect is at nadministerial.com. That's nadministerial.com. Now more with Dwight Nelson, lead pastor of the Pioneer Memorial Church at Andrews University. The first night I was preaching on May 14th, opening sermon, uh, 1983, and we're staying with some friends, and uh, I could not sleep that night. I could not sleep a wink that night. I just laid awake. I tried putting my feet in hot water. I tried every trip <laughs> I could think of. I could not sleep. But you know what? The Lord gave me strength, got through two services, and... That just opened the door, and it's been an honor and joy ever since. But you asked what prepared you. There's one other preparation. Let me just throw in a little plug here. I got I, I began to work in 1986, three years into my ministry year. Excuse me, in 1982, before we came, I began to work on a doctor of ministry degree through Andrews University. And one of the professors 
that Arnold Kurtz was the lead professor in the doctor of ministry program. He became a mentor to me, and he's the one that suggested my name. And so it was just like I leaned hard on him because he worked. The, the doctor of ministry exposes you to literature that you would never read on your own, concepts you'll probably never think on your own, and camaraderie that you wouldn't experience on your own. He gives you that threesome, that little package of three that really does professionally prepare you. So any, any preachers out there, young pastors, say, man, should I, should I not? I'm telling you, you'll never regret going through that uh, that doctor ministry program, wherever yes. you go, yes. and at university was a good one for me. And uh, so the praying of God's people, the graciousness of God, and then the, the, the mentorship of, of experienced men in ministry, uh, pastors in ministry, those were significant preparation factors for me. You have been there over 30 years at one church. Not many Adventist pastors right. can say that. So what has continued mm. to light your fire in one community for so long? What do you attribute your staying power to? Oh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a probing question, and I don't know that I have an adequate answer for it. Um, people have come up to me over the years. Uh, buddies of mine in ministry. I said, you know what, Dwight? The only reason you've been there so long is because you keep reinventing yourself. And I've heard that from several people. Said, you, you keep reinventing yourself. And I'm thinking to myself, I had no, I've had no intention of reinventing myself. I had no idea I was reinventing myself. And here's what I finally concluded. So I think it's a fair point that God is committed to reinventing ourselves. Mm. In other words, as we step into a ministry, whether it's going to last six years or 12 years, it doesn't matter. God says, don't be hyperventilating about the end of your ministry. Just keep living the today of your ministry with me, and I will take care of the redefinition. I will take care of the redesign. I will take care of the repainting. Don't you worry about it. That's what I do for a living. I call you. You follow me. And so he calls Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I'm going to ask you to go to this city. The city's a mess. The, 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 the monarchy is a total wash. But I'm going to have to take this city out, and I need you to pastor them until I say stop. Jeremiah ends up going, Ivan, for 40 years in the same parish. 40 years. Yeah. And I look back over the life of Jeremiah, and what I realize is God keeps reinventing him. Jeremiah doesn't know that he's being reinvented, but those of us looking externally and see the 40 years collapse into 52 chapters or whatever it is, <laughs> we see, ah, there was a change there, and God... The message was still the good old-time religion message, but God kept changing the application of the message. He changed it. He changed it. He used different illustrations, and Jeremiah picked up. And the only thing, my, my, my testimony is, if we trust the Lord, whose bidding is our enabler. Doesn't yes. know I say that? With, yes. your, with his bidding comes his enabling. If we trust the Lord, then with his bidding will be all the enabling and the reinventing that will be necessary for for a long-term pastor to exist. You never start a long-term pastor. I've, I've got buddies who've been long-term pastors. Nobody ever went and said, you know what? I think in about 37 years, that'd be about amount of time. In fact, when we went for our interview here, <laughs> the, the union president, the college president, all the big wigs are in this room for this interview. And Karen said with me, and they say, Dwight, we have a question. How long are you going to stay at Pioneer? How long do you think you could stay you know what, Karen and I had talked about everything, but we never had brought that up. We had been three years, three years, three years, three years. So that was our max. I look at Karen and she, she just had this blank look on her face. And I said, oh, man, I'm on my own. 
I knew that the predecessor here had stayed almost 17 years. Mm. So I said, oh, man. So I look into their faces, breathe a prayer, and I say, you know what, gentlemen, good question. Uh, if God blesses, I imagine we could stay, we could probably stay seven years. <laughs> and they all looked at each other and nodded and smiled. So I said to myself, that must have been the right answer. <laughs> and I say this, I mean, before you hang up on me. Uh, so, so the former pastor comes to visit me, and I'm sitting in his office right now. We've redone the whole office, but I'm sitting here. So he was sitting over there, and I'm sitting right here. And he leans over. He leans forward, and he says, like, I have one piece of counsel to give you. I said, oh, this is going to be good. I need this. He said, whatever you do, don't stay as long as I did. <laughs> I said, John, John, trust me, I won't. <laughs> I've uh, doubled that. So. Anyway, you never start your ministry and say, well, I'm going to go this long. What what continues to shape you? You know, you started at 21 and however old you are now, mm-hmm. what, what continues to shape you? I mean, one of the biggest shapers for me, Ivan, uh, has been challenge or challenges, plural. I wish there's only been one, <laughs> but challenges, plural and, and trials. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been through stuff. You can't be in a long-term uh, relationship with a with a congregation like this and not have gone through stuff. I've yeah. been through stuff, stuff caused by my own lack of wisdom, lack of insight, lack of forethought, lack of planning, lack of stick-to-itiveness. I mean, I, I I know all my weak points, mm-hmm. but those challenges have been touch points. God can make our weak points touch points for change, and that's. That's how I grow. I have found that out of the trials, that out of those challenges, that God has said, hey, boy, you really need to be working on this area. You don't see it. You're really blind to that. But I'm telling you, you got a problem. <laughs> and I'm going I'm to deal with circumstances around you that will expose that problem in living color to your own consciousness. Mm. And oh, boy, he has. Mm. And uh, I wish I could say to my colleagues, who are starting out in ministry, you know, the good news is it's not that big a deal. They're big deals. Trials and challenges are big deals. You you have to swallow everything. You know, you just have to swallow your pride, swallow your ego, swallow all that is resisting the, the full surrender of your soul to God. Swallow that. Yeah. You know, Paul could come at the end of his life. This is interesting. He writes this at the end of his life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And, and I is the first person pronoun in Greek, and it's ego. From whence comes our word ego. So it's in there as a, as the verb already understood that this is first person, but Paul inserts the ego to intensify. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and, and, and gave himself for me. Ego is a battle we will battle to the last dying breath. Ministry of healing. Yeah. Speaking of Paul, Ellen White Wright, he battled self to his dying day. Mm. And when I read that one day, I said, oh, hallelujah. Mm. I thought I was the only one. He battled self to his last breath. I don't know what it looked like or felt like for him, but I know what it looks like and feels like for me. The battle goes on. But God uses those trials because what makes a trial? A trial is something where I cannot overcome it. Mm-hmm. It would not be a trial. If I could overcome it, if there's a board action that would stop this, if there was a one sermon that would end this, it would end. But I can't do it. It's out of my control now. 
And it's those moments where God is just, uh, you know, in his gracious and gentle way, loving me through it. And go, like, come on, we need more time together. We need more time together. Uh, no, 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 don't give me any of that. We need more time together. So challenges and uh, trials have done it. Books do the same. They change me. Mm-hmm. Books change me. I'm a lover of books, and I'm here in my study. My library's at home. This is just a, this is just a showcase, uh, really, <laughs> of my books. But uh, I love it. They, 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 they are my companions. When we get together as college pastors, we sit around a circle. We spend we spend a good part of a day just saying, what did you read in the last 12 months? And we're writing down. We're writing down. What's the other guy? What's the other woman read? Boom, 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 boom. I love books. And we need to love books. You know, Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58 declares, you will be like a well-watered garden whose waters never fail. And I tell young preachers, guys, if you don't like reading, give up preaching. Just find another job. If you don't like reading, Become an accountant. They don't have to read. All they can yeah. do is ask. <laughs> John Wesley said, I want to be a homo unius libri. I want to be a man of one book. I've got to be one book. So I've got my Bible right here. In case you ask me to preach a little sermon before this is over. I'm ready at it. <laughs> anyway, so we, we got to be a man. we got to be women of one book. One book. One book. A person of one book. But we read all the rest because we need it. Yeah. yeah. So that's how God changes. Praise the Lord. Um you know, Dwight, um, I've read a couple books now on listening to God's voice. Um, yeah. I, I, and and how how do you listen to God's voice? Um, yeah. What, what has mm-hmm. the, the track record of your ministry taught you about hearing God's voice in the clutter of ministry, in the busyness yeah, of ministry? Yeah. <laughs> Have mercy, it is. Yeah, you're right. There's only one way. There's only one way. Uh, I, you know, Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, but you've got to be still. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just spent three hours, three hours straight this Monday lecturing to the seminarians about the spiritual life of a pastor. So you caught me on a good day. <laughs> I might not have been able to answer this question on another day. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, the point is, my life has been a journey in prayer. But I'm the last guy to be creative and come up with something really super duper cool that if everybody would adopt it, they'd, be, they'd, they'd just find the elixir. No, no, no. For me, it's been hunt and peck. It's been uh, a borrow, borrow, borrow. I have a terribly eclectic uh, a prayer style, but I am. When I said a moment ago, God is dependent on those who are dependent on Him. You remember me saying that? Yes. Uh, that line is so true, and that's what prayer declares to God: I am utterly dependent upon You. I cannot make it. I cannot make it. He proffered me a sinner. Peter, uh, desire to tell him there in Luke 5, Peter had Jesus around the ankles. He's not going to let him go. And he says, depart from me. I'm not going to let you go. Depart from me. So the, the, the consciousness of who we are comes in those moments when we are alone with God. Mm. That's where God, that's where the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit just draws out of us what needs to be drawn out. Now, look, at having prayer sometimes can be like, you know, a bowl of Wheaties. I mean, you know, some, some days you eat breakfast and it's just really just nothing to write home about. It's just like, what? <laughs> that doesn't matter. And as I get older, I, I'm finding my, my, my priorities are shifting now in prayer. 
I used to begin with my tree-covered prayers. I read Oswald Chambers every day of my life. I've been doing that since 1988. So I read my utmost towards highest. I read a psalm a day. I learned that from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So I read a psalm a day. Bonhoeffer in prison said, I find my soul refreshed by reading a psalm a day. And I said, if that 39-year-old Lutheran pastor could be blessed by the psalms, why couldn't this young Adventist pastor be blessed by the same? So mm-hmm. Oswald Chambers, the psalm a day. And then I learned from Roger Morneau. You remember Roger Morneau, our buddy, the prayer guy? So Roger Marnot says, I go every day to the foot of the cross, Matthew 27, verse 24 through 54. He says, I read that chapter every day. So I said, okay, I got three covered prayers. I do those. Oswald Chambers, Psalm of the Day, Matthew 27, and then wherever I want to spend time, whether it's in the Gospels. I'm right now, believe it, I just finished with I didn't quite finish Leviticus today. So what a place to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, mercy. I have Robert Alter's new three-volume translation of uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. The, the single greatest one-man translation. So I'm reading his translation of Leviticus and, and meditating. But here's what I've done, uh, Ivan, that is that is that has turned me around, turned my prayer time around. I now go into the room dark. I do not begin with the light. I begin with the dark, and I'm in that room for a substantial time so that I can be alone with God. I just need to talk, and it takes a while for this stuff. You know, but in that darkness. I have found some blessed, blessed communion. And I'm saying to all the all the guys that are listening, the ladies who are listening right now, come on, try it sometime. Just don't go in barefoot. Don't go in with beginning with all the books in the Bible. Start start in silence and go to God in silence and see what might happen. Anyway, that daily baptism of the spirit, I'm now convinced that's what's gonna carry us through this next chapter. And I know this isn't a podcast on the next chapter, <laughs> but I'm telling you the next chapter is gonna be uh it's just gonna it's gonna test our metal to the core of our beings as pastors and preachers and spiritual leaders. That was an insightful interview. And now, the special feature we call, Here's What I've Learned. Ivan Williams. Here's what I've learned. A person called by God to serve in ministry is a call to sacrifice. And servant leaders often realize their capacity, especially when rendered in human power, can never match the demand of service needed. Ministry never stops, and demand or service given in ministry is what I call a stretching, a growth process, or a learning period to depend on the one who made the call. Those called to ministry learn in the process of time, and maybe even over a lifetime that the returns are so much greater than the sacrifice. I'm sure you will agree with me, serving others builds greater faith in God. Here's what I've learned. Thanks again for joining us on Leadership Effect. We're your resource center, your growth platform. Every podcast, we're working to encourage you on your growth journey. Just go to nadministerial.com to find what you need. Whether you join our Best Practices Book Club or you want to find out more about our interviews or gain more insight from our guests, here's our promise. You won't be disappointed. Tell a friend about us. Please like, share, and subscribe so you can be notified when we post new episodes. We're here to help you grow. Keep going so you can keep growing for God's glory. Leadership Effect. Leadership Effect is a production of NAD Ministerium. Executive producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hilton Hill for NAD from Anything is Possible. 
Written and produced by Ivan Williams. Edited by Taizi Snyder.